Hi, I'm Marlene Hardy, Director of Innovation Programs at TechNL and the Executive Producer of the Creators at the World's Edge podcast. We've worked hard to bring you the stories you hear in our episodes, and I want to take a brief moment to thank all our listeners for their tremendous support and encouragement. We launched Creators at the World's Edge this fall, and the response has been truly overwhelming. So thank you for listening, and especially thanks to the amazing entrepreneurs and leaders for sharing their triumphs, challenges, and journeys with all of us. I have two small favors to ask. First, TechNL would love your help sharing these incredible stories. Tell a friend or a colleague or even your family about the creators at the World's Edge podcast. Share your favorite episode. Maybe others will like it too. You don't have to be involved in the tech sector to appreciate these inspiring stories of tenacity and perseverance. Second, because of your support, we're already thinking about season two. We want to know what you would like to hear and what you would like to learn about the growing tech sector in Newfoundland and Labrador. What topics make your ears perk up? What makes you reach and turn up the volume? Whose stories would you like to hear? Or maybe you have a tech story of your own. Send us your ideas at info at We are all about telling stories of how people have found their spark. Happy listening. Hi, I'm Carol Bartlett. And welcome to Creators at the World's Edge, the TechNL podcast. This week, I sit down with Vision 33's Gerard Duggan, who's a firm believer in the transformational power of tech and in breaking down the negative stereotypes of Newfoundlanders and Labradorians. We don't play the Newfoundland card, right? When, Tell me about when that. When we are selling to our customers, we play the value card. Are we highly skilled? We have developed really good products. We resell other really good products, and we know how to implement and support them. And we have a lot of customers that will reference and reference our work and back us up. Um, that's that's the key. The message that we happen to be from a place that's you know far away and a little bit unique and kind of quirky and has icebergs and whales and is really beautiful. That's not our card. That's that's a different kind of message that might come up after the fact. Right? Almost like, you know, the dinner is still there, but it's after the fact. Uh, but we don't lead with that. We lead with, we're as good as anybody. And that's it. We don't, uh, we don't need to justify that. Hi, my name is Gerard Duggan. I'm the Vice President of E-Government and Enterprise for Vision 33, which is headquartered in St. John's, Newfoundland and Labrador, um, and is a global company with employees in several different countries all over the world, uh, upwards of 450 of us these days. How has the brand of Newfoundland and Labrador hindered or helped your company? To, you know, always start with the positive, right? It's helped our, co- our company in a lot of ways because there's tremendously talented Newfoundlanders that want to work for Newfoundland and Labrador-based companies. And that's almost an unfair competitive advantage for us because we happen to be here and we have people who go, I want to work for a Newfoundland company. Um, that said, those people are compensated the exact same way we compensate people in San Francisco or New York or London. Right now, obviously, we have different scales and a whole human resource management uh, approach to, to how we do that. But there's no Newfoundland discount. Right, we are world class, and and we can do it from here. Um, so being able to tap into some of that talent that could do what they do anywhere, but choose to do it with us, I think that's a definite advantage. There's no question about that. Um, on disadvantage, um, not so much globally, but in Canada. As soon as you are identified as a Newfoundland-based entity, 
uh, or even as an individual, uh, there can be a tendency to put you in a stereotype of, you know, the quirky East Coaster. And uh, I 100% reject that uh, and have no time for it whatsoever. But if you've done business in Canada from Newfoundland, there's zero chance you have not experienced something like that. Um, and, and even if it was in the boardroom or if it was, you know, at the lunch table, you've experienced it. Um, and so I think, though, to some extent, and I tend to always focus on the positive, that's a driver as well. You hear that, you'll hear an odd remark or something that wouldn't be said to somebody from Kitchener, right? Um, and you'll go, okay, well, you know, I understand they only have a superficial view of what Newfoundland and Labrador is, um, and they've seen some, you know, jokes on TV. So that's fine. I get it. Um, it, it just kind of drives us a little bit harder. But we do not play the, you know, we're from Newfoundland, look how funny, or I don't even know what the word is, but how different we might be. Um, that's, uh, that I completely reject that, a thousand percent. Uh, I have clients all over the United States and in different parts of Canada, and it had never occurred to me that we were any more remote than anybody else. And I think when you work for a global company, such as Vision 33, that comes with you, that you're a global citizen and you happen to choose to live in a remarkable place. Absolutely. And look, this pandemic has taught us a whole bunch of things. But one of the things it has taught us is that when you have to work from home or work remotely, you can Right. Um, ironically, you know, and I talk about talent as being a competitive advantage for us being based here sometimes. Um, you're also seeing progressive companies that are global in nature go, well, boy, there's great talent working, you know, in this Vision 33 company. Let's set our recruiters after those guys because we don't care if they work in Newfoundland and Labrador now. We know that more senior roles can now be done remotely. Um, and we've seen that, and I know some, some you know, colleagues in industry locally have seen it as well. You've got recruiters uh, from other parts of Canada and larger centers now focused on Atlantic Canada as a place to tap into talent that can work remotely. Um, How is that affecting your business? Well, it impacts us to the extent that, uh, you know, we've historically had less than average turnover rates. And those turnover rates will start to creep up when someone like a Shopify comes to town and says, we're going to go after your top talent and we're going to pay them as if they lived in San Francisco. But they can stay in Newfoundland and Labrador and work. And if I'm an employee in that case, I need to take that seriously. I need to look at that and I totally understand that and support it. Um, and really it puts the onus back on the company to keep growing and keep driving those profit margins and delivering that value because we're going to have to compete for that talent. Right. We've, now, we're used to competing in larger centers, so it's not new to us you know, here at Vision 33. Um, but I think it's new in the Newfoundland and Labrador context to, to see that aggressive of a recruiting uh, effort. 
What is the province of Newfoundland and Labrador doing on multiple levels? So from a government perspective to a cultural perspective to the hub that's here for technology companies and technology-driven people. For a small province, there's opportunity to maybe be a little bit more coherent in its strategy for how to develop this sector. Um, and I don't think we're there yet. I think there's pockets of good things happening. Um, I really like some of the the public sector in terms of the provincial and federal governments contributing to venture capital funds that then go out and invest with expertise in good companies um, and good ideas and good people. Uh, I think we've seen some success there far better than subsidizing or giving grants to companies, right? I, I really like the idea of funding venture capital and letting experts drive decision-making from that perspective. So I think that's that's been good. Um, I can tell you I once attended a, a, a budget briefing or um, consultation as the chair of the Technology Association many years ago, and the minister of the industry sector at the time said, what does the tech sector do? Who are you guys? Very ground zero. But that should tell you how far we have come, perhaps, but we're still not quite there. And I think there's opportunity to drive it, but we're on a, we're on a pretty good path, but we, we can definitely do more. Tell me about Vision 33. So uh, Vision 33, uh, you know, we're an IT products and services company, pretty traditional stuff. Um, I think uh, we would have incorporated ourselves in 2003, which is pushing our, you know, 18, 19 years now. Uh, at that time, we were uh, about a dozen people who thought that, you know, we could probably do a little bit more than just build some websites, right? Tell me what was happening in just in 2003 with respects to the market, and then what was happening in your life? So, uh, you know, market-wise, you know, we had uh, some contacts in the United States. We were doing some work, uh, front-end, uh, what I would call websites, you know, nowadays, uh, but probably, you know, a little bit more focused on the back end. So, you know, how do I get my inventory online so people can see it, let alone buy it? Like these are early, early, early days in e-commerce, right? Um, and one of our customers uh, bought a product from SAP, which would be a global, you know, uh, ERP software provider. Um, and they liked the work that we had been doing with them, uh, but wanted help with that, implementing it. And we had never done that before. Uh, so, you know, being naive, which is fantastic sometimes, we said, sure, we can help you with that. Uh, we did. Um, we learned a lot. Um, and then in doing so, I said, you know, we can do this for lots of customers. And so we decided to become a partner to SAP. Um, and that that started a lot of the strategy that drove our decision-making from now until, from then until until now. What was the vision for the company? Um, at the time, and, you know, amongst our leadership group, you might get a couple of different views on this. Um, 
But, you know, I think it would be fair to say we wanted meaningful work and we wanted to live in Newfoundland and Labrador, right? We're all here for certain ties. Typically, they're family-type ties. So what could we do from here that was, like, really meaningful? Um, and meaning, you know, it was challenging, it was enjoyable, it was world-class. It was, you know, we weren't taking a back seat to any particular uh, segment of the industry. Uh, and then what could we do that would create the profit levels that, you know, would allow us to grow the company and, and, and also, you know, live the way we wanted to live. And, and being um, all Newfoundlanders, uh, we kind of probably had a bit of a chip on our shoulder. And so, you know, like, well, we, we can do things from here. We don't need to charge less, right? We can, you know, compete with anybody in New York or L.A. Right? We're, we're good. So I think at the time, the vision would have been, let's build that. Let's build something that's world-class, that can compete globally. We can just happen to do it from here. What we have come to to realize, I think, uh, especially having gone through you know uh, a year and a half now of a global pandemic and trying to figure out what that means for our business and for our people, um, is that we can actually still deliver world class, you know, technology products and services, and be headquartered here. Now that said, we have a lot of key people that are not here. We have key people in the UK, in, in California, in you know, the Eastern United States, and you name it. We have very important members of our team that are spread out all over. So not everybody needs to be here, right? And, and that's okay too. And you know, that also helps give us some perspective as well, right? We know, we know that we're unique. So when you talk about think global, apply local, what do you mean by that? So we have tremendous expertise locally in a lot of areas, right? Been fishing for 500 years, so that's a no-brainer. That's an easy one. We know cold oceans and, you know, all of the sort of bounty of the sea and how to get at it and all that sort of thing. Like, it's, it's a lot of knowledge. We know forestry. We've had a forestry sector in, in this province for a very long time. We know mining. Right. Um, we definitely know oil and gas. Um, so I would look at those tradi more traditional industries or maybe resource based industries or maybe both and say, you know, the tech sector can tap into that knowledge. Right. And find ways to enable those industries to increase efficiency, reduce their environmental footprint, whatever it might be. But on a global scale, which means if you're a technology company and you develop some kind of technology, doesn't matter, hardware, software, process, maybe, whatever it is, for a mining company that's mining gold in central Newfoundland, well, gold mining happens all over the world. So if you can tap into something that adds value to that operation in Newfoundland and Labrador, and apply it globally, now you're creating scale in the tech side of that. And I think that uh, th there's tremendous opportunity, you know, for, for us here in Newfoundland and Labrador to do that. What do you see the difference being as in having a four-lifestyle business and creating a four-lifestyle business versus creating a global business, which you've clearly done with Vision 33? Yeah. So a couple of things. Uh, number one, opportunity for people. 
So if I can hire 150 people, and I can hire accountants, and I can hire lawyers, and I can hire marketing people in addition to project managers and programmers and analysts, that's great. It also creates career paths for those people within this organization. I'll also go so far as to say it creates career paths for them to go up and out of our organization. We can only grow so fast. So if I'm a developer and I'm my career aspiration is to be an architect, I'm going to be able to create that path inside my company, but only for so many. There's going to be other great developers that want to be architects as well, but maybe their path is up through Vision 33 and out to another company that will need their expertise. If you're bigger and you have scale, you can do that. The second thing outside of opportunity is the ability to drive significant profit so that you can actually give back in a significant way. So when you create profit, you create opportunities to do things like, you know, fund scholarships, fund charities, uh, you know, create all kinds of what I would say off the side of your desk, but critically important things that you do as a company when you when you generate profit. If you're a little bit bigger, your flexibility to be able to do that is, is obviously much greater, right? I want to unpackage some of that. So the first, in the first instance, what I hear you saying is that you have a great responsibility as an employer and you want to drive that employment. How do you feel about driving that employment in Newfoundland? And what are some of the goals that you might have or the passion that's driving that underlying? So I think the employment and creating employment and really meaningful employment, and when I say meaningful, I mean uh, you know, uh, subject matter that's of a professional nature that people will really, you know, invest their time in and they've gone to university for uh, or some other post-secondary or invested in themselves to get there, what have you, but but driving meaningful employment. Um, but that's more of a byproduct. That's an outcome, right? You don't get into business to create jobs. You get into business to create value for some customers, right? If you create value and you and that that value can be compensated for appropriately, you create margin and you create profit and you create growth. When you create growth, you need to hire people. And so it's more of an out- outcome. So when I say, hey, I'm really proud to have 450 employees and, you know, half of them are in Newfoundland and Labrador and more than half are Newfoundlanders and Labradorians. They just might not happen to be here. That's an outcome. Right, and it's it's not that we're in this business to say we're here to create jobs, mm. because I think if that was our approach, we would lose sight of the customer value, and that has to be the number one driving fo- focus for us. And it is for us. It's how what value are we driving for our customers, and if we're doing that well, that will create employment. Right. You talk about thinking global and going global first, and then you also talk about the stereotype. How is it that we can go global and push that stereotype to become, perhaps, a better brand or something else? What are some of the things that we could do? Well, first of all, I think the stereotype is Canadian. It's not global. Because when I'm in the UK, nobody asks me about, you know, a Newfie joke. When I'm in the United States, nobody asks me about anything to do with that stereotype. It's only when I'm in Canada, okay? Um, And it's not constant, but it is there. Uh, From a brand perspective, I think we can be known as, you know, an actual powerhouse in certain areas of technology. So if you think about it, 
And we've talked about this internally. You know, there's great industries here with tremendous expertise. Obviously, oil and gas is one that you've talked about. There's forestry and, and, and fisheries and mining as well. They're huge. There's big capital investment there. There's long-term activity that goes on there. It's stable. We could, in the tech sector, make it safer. We can reduce its environmental footprint. Uh, we can make it more efficient and more globally competitive. There's all kinds of things we can do as a tech sector. So if I were to fast forward a decade, and hopefully not even that long, I would like people to look at our tech sector and go, you know, um, the folks that developed the analytics tools for fisheries vessels to reduce its negative impact on the environment uh, is based in Newfoundland and Labrador. So every other Gulf, ocean, deep sea fishery, anywhere on planet Earth can look to here for the technology to help make them better, reduce their environmental footprint, make them more efficient. That would be a good day, I think, for us, and I think that that opportunity is here. What excites you most about the future of Newfoundland and Labrador? I think uh, the province is in great shape. What? Yeah. Our, our government is broke. <laughs> but business is not broke. Business is not broke. Um, and businesses like Vision 33 that are focused on the export of value and the you know generation of wealth and opportunity back here, uh, they're not impacted by a broke government. They're just impacted by negativity. And, and, and that's something I think that we can probably do a better job at dealing with, right? This province is full of successful business. It's everywhere. Our government is broke due to a history of poor decision-making. And that creates a negative perception of where we're at. But the boom that I've seen in the last 30 years here and the last 20 that I've done business here has been incredible. Um, but for business, I think, you know, there's nothing but upside. Thank you very much, Gerard, for being so candid with us and opening up about how to start a business and how to have a thriving business globally. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity. It's been a pleasure and it's been fun. If you have tech stories of your own from Newfoundland and Labrador to share, we'd love to hear about them. Send us an email, info at technl.ca. Creators at the World's Edge is produced by David Lank and Stefan Dandino. Edited by Stefan Dandino. The executive producer is Marlene Hardy. Sound engineering by Marco Dulla and original theme music by Elliot Dix featuring Mick Davis. Special thanks to the Atlantic Canada Opportunities Agency, the Newfoundland and Labrador Department of Industry, Energy and Technology, and the entire team at TechNL for bringing this podcast to life. I'm Carol Bartlett. Thanks for listening.